0: You're listening to the Menopause Movement Podcast, and I'm your host, Dr. Michelle Gordon. If you haven't taken advantage of the Menopause Movement beta course yet, sign up at menopausemovement.com forward slash hormones. We offer this $500 beta course at no charge to you in exchange for feedback and testimonials. Now, we normally require a lengthy application to join the course, but because you're a podcast listener, you can skip the application. Go straight to the front of the line and get started on the material. Now, if you've always wanted to understand your hormones and manage your menopause naturally, this program is definitely for you. We just simply ask for feedback and testimonials so that we can improve the course to help more women. Just go to menopausemovement.com forward slash hormones to sign up for this program so that you can start to step out of that minnow muck that has kept you stuck. Welcome back to the Menopause Movement Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Michelle Gordon, and thanks so much for being a part of the Menopause Movement. Today, we welcome Ryan Levesque to the podcast. Ryan Levesque is the Inc. 500 CEO of the Ask Method Company and the number one national best selling author of Ask, which was named by Inc. as the number one marketing book of the year. His work has been featured in the Wall Street Journal, USA Today, Forbes, and Entrepreneur, and over 250,000 entrepreneurs subscribe to his email newsletter offering business advice. He's also a co-founder and investor in Bucket.io, a leading marketing funnel software for entrepreneurs. His latest book, Choose, helps readers avoid making the single biggest mistake when starting a business and guides people through answering all the important questions, What? type of business should you start? Now, Ryan is one of my mentors and his coaching has helped me to grow the menopause movement. His sage advice has rung in my ears for the past couple of years through the startup phase of this business. He has a compelling story of the pursuit of excellence in everything he does. And although he is the CEO of a business that has been in the ink 500 for the past three years. He comes from humble origins, and it shows. During the podcast, we discuss the most important question to ask yourself before starting a business. What to think about before you get started, the four types of entrepreneurs and their shadow sides. Ryan's life pyramid and the five F's to life that he uses to continue to be a high achiever. What is a practice business and why you should consider starting one. And do you have to keep the business you create forever like you would a child? We talk about reframing failure, the biggest obstacle people have to getting a business going and how fear of giving up what we have now can keep us from greatness. Stay to the end of how you can find out what type of entrepreneur you are, what type of business you should start and how you can get a copy of Ryan's book, Choose for free or next to nothing. And at the end of the episode, make sure you visit drmichellegordon.com forward slash podcasts where you can find the show notes plus the links to the books and resources mentioned in the episode. And if you enjoy the episode, make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you're always the first to know when each episode is released. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And thank you for all of the five-star reviews. If you haven't left a review yet, please take the time to review the podcast. This helps more women to find it and get the help they need during the disruption of menopause. No one should have to go it alone. And this is a continuation in our business series. And so I'm so happy to have you here uh, to learn about what Ryan has to say. And thanks so much for being a part of the menopause movement. Now let's get to Ryan. Brian, welcome to the Menopause Movement Podcast. I'm so happy to have you here.
1: Michelle, it's awesome to be here. I'm excited uh, for a conversation today.
0: Yeah. So one of the, re- the reason I wanted to bring you on today is because there are many, many women in midlife like me who pivot in, in their lives. And you know, for me, I'm a surgeon and that was really fulfilling until it wasn't. And then I had to figure out uh, what exactly I wanted to do. And of course, you know, you know, the story, I started having menopause, and it was horrible. And I started figuring out, you know, how to help help myself. And then I started helping other people. And I've since since retired from surgery, uh, with some of your help. And I think for me, I Saw a need, and you know, kind of pivoted into it. But you know, you you talk a lot about what it what it takes to start a business, and what the most important question is somebody must ask beforehand. So, you want to talk about that a little bit?
1: Yeah, you know, I think it's a, it's a great question, and uh, you know, kudos to you for being able to do what you've done, um, which I think is a dream of so many people. And uh, you know, for me, I, I had that that similar moment when I was a little bit uh, just earlier in my career, I was in my my mid to late 20s and I kind of had my quarter life crisis where I said, all right, do, I don't want to do this for the rest of my life. Um, and I kind of, I saw my boss and I saw my future and I said, I don't want to, you know, head down this path. And so no matter, I think what age you're at, I think many of us have that that moment, that epiphany moment. And it leads, that epiphany moment leads to asking questions. And one of the questions that I think that naturally starts to occur is people start asking to themselves, okay, do I maybe want to do my own thing? Um, maybe I want to be my own boss. Maybe I want to take control of my own schedule. And so the natural question that comes up is what type of business should I start? Right. But the reality is that's not the right question to start with. It's the question that most of us, our brains naturally go to, but instead of asking what, the question you should be asking is who? And when I, when I say who, what I mean by that is who, are you going to serve? In other words, what market are you going to focus on pursuing? And the reason for that is the business that you start is actually far less important than choosing the right market. That is the foundational piece, the foundational decision upon which everything else is based. You could say, I want to open up a restaurant, but if you choose the wrong market to open that restaurant in, it's going to fail before it's even started. If you choose to build an online digital business like like you and I have built, um, if you choose the wrong market, it's destined to fail before you even start. And so that is, uh, I wrote an entire book on it, on that subject. Uh, It's near and dear to my heart. This right here? uh, (laughs) <laughs> yes, this book right here. Exactly. Yeah, this one right here. I um, um, And, <laughs> uh, and I'm, I'm excited to um, talk more about what exactly that means. Like, how do you make that right decision? So I think it's a great jumping off point for our conversation today.
0: Yeah. So if somebody wants to get started, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so I'm, I'm get brand new to business. I've never had it. You know, I've always, I've always worked a nine to five and I've kind of gotten tired of it. And, you know, I'm figuring, well, Zoom works for everyone else. Why not me? Yeah. You know? right. <laughs> Why can't I run a virtual summit or, or whatever? So how how would somebody get how would you suggest getting started? So what what is the the very first step that's, uh, you know, I mean, you're going to choose your market, but what what would, what would be after that?
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, going way back to the beginning, I think the first thing is to uh, make a decision, right? So um, to make a decision that this is something that you actually want to pursue. And then from there, I think it's a great place. You know, we all suffer from the paradox of choice. There's just unlimited options at our disposal in all areas of life, whether it's going to the grocery store and deciding what type of spaghetti sauce you're going to buy to deciding what kind of business you're going to start. So I think a good place to start is to begin by deciding what your non-negotiables are. And what it does is it uh, puts constraints on your life. It sort of puts, you know, if you've ever gone bowling before when you were a kid, you know, you went bowling, you put those little bumpers on the side. Um, it kind of puts bumpers on things. So you don't veer too far in one direction or the other. You don't create what I like to say, the, you know, we're all responsible uh, for the prison that we are inside right now. Like, we built that yeah. prison. We all built the prison that we're inside right now through the conscious choices we've made over the course of our life. So, you don't want to put yourself in another prison cell. So, you want to ask yourself, what are those non negotiables? You know, so, so for me, as just to give a concrete example, uh, for me, one of my non negotiables, I've got, I've got two young kiddos. And uh, I spent, uh, uh, in my early part of my career, I spent a lot of time traveling and I spent a lot of time on an airplane. I spent a lot of time commuting and I'm at a point in my career now where I made the decision that uh, for our business, any events that we run, any in-person um, events, anything that we do that involves gathering people together, um, they're happening in our hometown, which is Austin, Texas. Right. And uh, the reason for that is I don't like to be away from my kids for you know weeks at a time. And uh, that's one of my personal non-negotiables. Now, you might have the total opposite non-negotiable. You might say like, I want to be able to travel like at least ten times a year, twenty times a year. In which case, you might build a business that allows you the ability to travel, where you're maybe meeting with different groups of people in different parts of the country or different parts of the world. So, um, so that's um uh, that's the first thing is start with your non-negotiables, and that'll start of kind of start to you know help to uh, you know put the rails on things and help identify what's most important to you. And then, you know, kind of from there, um, starting with this decision of who, who are you going to serve? Um, from there, we go down a, um, a specific path. And I think um, one thing to really ask yourself um, is uh, what type of entrepreneur are you? And based on my research, based on the work that I've done and, and the um, literally thousands of entrepreneurs that I've had the privilege of working with. And when I say entrepreneurs, you might not consider yourself an entrepreneur. I'm talking about people who've made the decision to leave that nine to five, to leave their career, to start their own thing. Right. Whether it's a part-time thing, a full-time thing, a side hustle, a second career, first career, third career, whatever it may be, um, that there are four types of entrepreneurs. And, and I think a fun little game that we can play right now, Michelle, for everyone listening to this right now is to really ask yourself, which of these four buckets do you most neatly fit into? So if you had to pick one, and that's the constraint here, you have to choose. Uh, if you had to choose one, which of these do you most identify, identify with? And the first uh, type of, of entrepreneur is what we call a, a mission-based entrepreneur. Now, mission-based entrepreneurs are the type of people who are drawn to a cause that they would die on a hill for. In other words, there's some wrong in the world that they want to remove, that they want to eliminate. And their goal is to make their uh, vocation in that, in that realm, in that world. And so um, I think of, uh, for example, Christy Kennedy comes to mind. Uh, Christy Kennedy, her, uh, her son was diagnosed as autistic um, when he was in elementary school. Um, and uh, her son, autistic, was bullied in the schoolyard. So as a mom, like any parent would do, she got involved with the school and said, hey, this has got to stop, like this, this can't happen. We got to do something about it. And one thing led to another, and it inspired her to not only um, eliminate bullying um, with respect to her son, but in her son's school, and then in her son's school district, and then in her entire state. And then uh, since then, she's built a business that's allowed her to eliminate bullying in over a thousand schools across America through a program that she's created. So that's an example of a mission-based entrepreneur. There's some wrong in the world that you wanna eliminate and you wanna make that into a business. So mission-based, so keep that in the back of your mind, So the first one. Uh, second one, in contrast to that, is a passion-based entrepreneur. Now the passion-based entrepreneur is the type of person that has something that you love. It could be a hobby, it could be some subject matter that you're just incredibly passionate for, and you wanna find a way to make that passion your vocation. So I think, for example, of um, uh, Charlie Wallace. Charlie Wallace is a musician. He plays the guitar. And uh, he decided he wanted to build an online business teaching people how to play the guitar. It's his passion. He loves the guitar. It's what he wants to do all day, every day. And uh, he decided to build a business around that. So that's a passion-based entrepreneur. Now, the difference between the two is that a passion-based entrepreneur really wants to move the world toward something they love as opposed to moving the world away from something negative. So those are the first two types. Um, the third type is uh, what we call an opportunity-based entrepreneur. Now, opportunity-based entrepreneurs um, are the type of people that don't necessarily have a burning mission or a burning passion, but you know, if you kind of look around the world and you've ever asked yourself, how is it that nobody's created a product for this? Or how is it that nobody's ever solved this problem? I and have to you say, kind of- I have to
0: say that that's kind of what happened for me in menopause that, that I, when I started going through menopause, I was started, I actually started looking for a course because I'm a course user. I buy, buy stuff and I, I couldn't find one. I'm like, well, okay, I guess I'm
1: going to have to create one. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And, and here's the thing is like, I think for so many of us, we have this sort of almost imposter syndrome that many of us uh, suffer from where we feel like, Oh, I'm not qualified. I can't do that. Like I don't have the experience or the credentials or fill in the blank reason why I'm not the right person uh, to do this. But the reality is you might be. And opportunity-based entrepreneurs don't necessarily set out to solve a mission or serve a mission or, or fulfill a passion, but they know they want to be their own boss and, uh, they see these opportunities. And so I think of, uh, Dana Olbermann, for example, um, similar situation, right? So Dana, she had, uh, she and her husband, uh, Mike had a newborn baby that wasn't sleeping through the night. So kiddo is not sleeping through the night. So she did the same thing that you did. She went online, did all the research and tried to figure out like someone's got to figure out how to help to get a newborn baby to sleep through the night. And everywhere she looked, there wasn't really good information on this. So um, she decided to, you know, dive into the medical research, dive into the clinical research, and she tried different things and was able to kind of really piece together a solution that worked for her. Um, She told her friends about it. Friends had newborn babies. She kind of helped them out. And she started being known among her circle of friends as the sleep whisperer. Um, fast forward a few years, and she decided to create um, a program called Sleep Sense. And now she created this program almost 20 years ago. And mm-hmm. since then, she's helped over 100,000 couples with newborn infants get their kiddo to sleep through the night. She's been featured on Good Morning America and on the Today Show and all sorts of national media as a world-renowned sleep expert. Now, did she seek out to do that? No, just like you, she saw this opportunity and said, if if no one else has filled this void, well, maybe I could be this person. Um, And she and her husband have built a really successful business on the back of that. So I don't know if there's anything you want to say um, to that one before we go to the last type. I I, I
0: mean, I guess I would say that, that for me, I, I, I kind of followed along that same path in that I, I found a, a, it was such a problem for me and my life was so disrupted. I spent about three three or four years researching. that That's it. And, and I was like, well, okay. And then it worked for me. And I'm like, okay, well, let me try it with just a few people. And people started saying like, how did you lose that 50 pounds? And what, you know, what changed for you? And, and why are you so nice now? <laughs> Things like that. And so I started, I, I, you know, I shared a a lot of these principles with, with a few people and they had even better results and their weight loss didn't take them three years. It took them six months. And, and so that's kind of how this business got started. And now it's kind of a passion play as well.
1: And, 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 and I think that's an interesting point, which is that um, if you were to identify with one of these boxes, we all have elements of both. And as, yeah. we, um, as we evolve as entrepreneurs, as people, as human beings, we sometimes can then shift from one to the other. But there's a fourth one, there's a final one. So for those of you listening to this right now or watching this right now saying, wait, I don't really identify with any (laughs) of these. What's the fourth type? You said four. The fourth is um, what we call the undecided entrepreneur. Now, undecided entrepreneur, if you're in this bucket, this is the type of person that you know you wanna be your own boss, you know you wanna do your own thing, you know you wanna take control of your Um, you know, take control of your life and and be able to have the freedom that, you know, owning your own business uh, allows you to do and take uh, control of your financial destiny. Um, But honestly, you're just like not sure. You're undecided. Um, And frankly, that's the bucket that I was in. Um, When I was working a job, I was working a nine to five job and I was just tired. I was tired of the commute. I was tired for working for somebody else. I was tired for somebody else making the rules, telling me you need to be here at this time. You need to do this at this time. I really just wanted to take control of my own life. I just didn't know what. And if you're in this boat, one of the things that I often recommend is when you're first getting started, to just start with a practice business. So and you the reason why I say that. that is, you talk
0: about that in the book. Yeah, you, yeah. You, 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 mentioned, you mentioned that in the book, and you, you decided that rather than, rather than doing bonsais, you'd pick up orchids. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Totally. <laughs> and, you know, it's, yeah. It, it's, I think we put a lot of pressure on ourselves. Like, I think we have this, um, we look at, uh, we look at having, uh, having a business as like having a child, that mm-hmm. it's a commitment for life. And um, there's no going back. And once you've made that decision, it's a a irreversible decision and you're stuck with it no matter what. Uh, The reality is that could not be further from the truth. I like to, the the analogy or the metaphor I like to use is starting a business is like learning how to drive a car. If you think back to the first car that you drove way back when, when you first learned how to drive, it probably wasn't your dream car. And for most of us, it's probably not the car you're driving right now, right? But the skill you learned in terms of driving a car is a skill that served you for life. You know, So for me, the practice business that I started, I, I specifically chose a topic, a niche, a who that I was dispassionate about, that I really wasn't attached to. It wasn't a mission. It wasn't a passion of mine. Um, and that was the orchid market. And uh, I chose that market simply because I made a big, long list of possibilities, probably listening to a conversation like this and saying, all right, well, let let me brainstorm some possibilities. And uh, at one point uh, when I was having dinner with my wife, probably for the umpteenth time um, and said, I want to start a business. You know, she pushed me and said, just pick one. (laughs) And that's what (laughs) I did. I said, all right, well, just pick this one. And I used that business as the vehicle, so to speak, to learn how to grow a business Mm -hmm. And, uh, that little practice business ended up growing to almost half a million dollars a year. And so it wasn't, you know, I never expected it to be as successful as it was, but it was really the first, first of many. So, so we just hit the pause button for a moment. Um, for anyone listening to this or watching this right now, first thing that you want to have clarity on is what type of entrepreneur are you? Are you, are you, uh, excuse me, mission-based, passion-based, opportunity-based, or undecided. That's the first thing to have clarity on because that's going to help kind of narrow the scope of what you're going to focus on. And then Michelle, the one other thing that I'll add to this before we move on is, and this is important, I don't talk about this in the book, uh, but we'll talk about it here, is that uh, each of these four types has what we call a shadow side. So there's a shadow side to watch out for. And this is that kind of self-knowledge, self-understanding that, that's really important. And just be aware of this. So Um, mission-based entrepreneurs. The shadow side to mission-based entrepreneurs is they tend to be so connected to their mission that they put the actual making money so far at the end of the line that they actually never get to it. So they're so committed to changing people's lives.
0: I like to tell people that that if if you're going to start a business and and it's, it's one of these passion plays that remember, and this is something I learned from Stu McLaren, more money, more impact, more money, more impact, so that means that if you if you have like, like the menopause movement supports an NGO called Studio Samuel and Studio Samuel started out as a way to keep girls out of the sex trade. We have a podcast with T- T- Tamara Horton who founded it, and she adopted a son in Ethiopia and saw all these girls who she just you know were, were getting sold off child brides and things like that, and so she was she she just had this huge mission to do that, and we give actually ten, a, a percentage. I'm not sure exactly how much. I have to talk to the accountant, but but a percentage of our of our gross income goes to straight off of every lunch goes straight to Studio Samwell, and they've grown from serving twenty some odd girls a year to 250 or something now. Wow. So, so, it, and, and so you just say, you know, more money, more inc- impact. That's, that's, but that's our, that's our mission. We do have a mission here at the menopause movement too.
1: Totally. I, I love yeah. that you're doing that by the way. I think that's, yeah. I think mean, that's great. And um, you know, I think people who have that sort of greater mission that extends beyond just, you know, making money ultimately are the most successful. And, and I think one of the reasons for that is, you know, there's, there's, there's something that I talk about, which is um, I call it the, the life pyramid. And, um, and it goes like this, you know, entrepreneurship um, is a path to freedom, which allows you to make an impact and ultimately leave a legacy. And if you look at the first letter of each of those uh, four words, they conveniently spell uh, the acronym life. And I believe at the end of the day that that for me certainly sums up the purpose of my life. It's to help entrepreneurs achieve freedom so they can make an impact and leave a legacy. And by extension, I get to play a small role, you know? So it's incredibly fulfilling for me um, to know that, you know, with our work together, that the, the tiny little role I've had a chance to play in your success has led to not only creating a successful business, allowed you to transition, which is phenomenal for you, but the ripple effect beyond that is really Really, really cool. And that's the type of stuff that makes the hair on the back of my neck stand up. Yeah. Um, and it's cool for anyone who who goes in this direction.
0: Well, speaking of ripple effect, I mean, that's something that we we talk about quite a bit in, in actually in my program. And and I think that, that anyone who wants to start a business, it is, it's important to really think about the ripple effect and what it means when somebody actually follows your program or, you know, buys your coaching or whatever it is you're doing or buys your jewelry even. What what does that do for 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 them? And when 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 I sat down and looked at the impact that the menopause movement has in, in lives and the ripple effect of improved relationships with self and with with family and and ch- I mean we've seen so many women have repaired relationships with their spouses, with their children, with themselves, and it's it's been it's been a real honor to be the guide in that. It's been and and the growth that I've had to go through, I'm I'm sure. I mean, you've seen it over the last couple of years. And so it's, it's, been, it's been really interesting.
1: It forces you to raise the bar, raise, you raise your own game, right? Yeah. When you become a leader, when you're in a position of influence, it forces you to really take a look at your own life under the microscope and ask yourself, uh, if I'm going to be a leader, if I'm going to be a guide, if I'm going to be a mentor, um, am I the person that I would want to follow? And what it does, it allows you to up-level your life, not just financially in your business, but in all areas of your life. And, and for me, it's, you know, the, the, the Fs, uh, you know, the five Fs. So it's family, friends, uh, fitness, finance, and uh, I cheat on the last one, philanthropy, which is a PH, of course, but it has the F sound. Um, and I just constantly ask myself, um, how am I doing in each of these five areas? Because yeah. it's easy to excel in one of these areas at the sacrifice or the detriment of the other areas. You, you've, we've all heard stories of you know, incredibly financially successful entrepreneurs who are, have no relationship with their spouse or their kids. Their home situation is a total mess. They're unhealthy. They have a you know, heart attack at a young age. But the question I'm always asking myself, this is the one that keeps me up at night, is how can I be top 1% in all five of these areas simultaneously? So the best family man, the best father, the best uh, friend, I could possibly be uh, top 1% fitness is measured by everything from, you know, uh, cholesterol to blood sugar levels, to, you know, body fat, to any lab that you want to put in there finances. So the income Peloton. that you're making and to, yeah, to Peloton, to Peloton. exactly. I'm, I'm always aiming to be top 1% on those rides. Um, and then lastly is philanthropy, you know, how can you give back more? And, and here's the reality just going back to your great comment is that that philanthropy piece, the give back piece can't happen, cannot happen, unless you've taken care of these um, these other areas simultaneously as well. Because if you can't put a roof over your head, if you can barely pay your bills, if you can't pay your mortgage, how much help can you give other people? Really, yeah. you're focused on taking care of yourself. So um, when you have that excess, it allows you to do so much more. Yeah, it's, um, it's Michelle, we like started- a- we st- go ahead For just
0: one second it just this this reminds me of the maslow's hierarchy of needs in a different way it's like you know you talk about it as the pyramid so you did talk you were going to the shadow side and you you yes. were able to yes. do the so shadow side of the mission yeah. so let's go back to the shadow side
1: <laughs> yeah so, so just going back as you're helping decide and the reason why i want to do this and the reason why it's it's so important is um, as once you identify which entrepreneurial type you most connect with you most identify with you want to be aware of the shadow side because this is the thing that can really derail you. So mission-based entrepreneur, if you're in that situation, be aware of the fact that you're so drawn to your mission that you put actually making money so subservient to that, that it's not a focus, that you actually never make money. You want to help people, but you can't actually um, uh, make a living doing it. Passion-based entrepreneurs, it's a slightly different story. The thing you need to be careful of if you're a passion-based entrepreneur is that you don't become dispassionate about your passion. So, for example, if you build a business around watercolor painting because you love watercolor painting, well, when that becomes your J-O-B, your job – you can suddenly fall out of love with that thing that you were once so passionate about. So be careful not to put yourself in that situation. Um, opportunity-based entrepreneurs, the thing you need to watch for is that you're not just building a business that fills your bank account, but one that also fuels your soul. Because if you have one that fills your bank account, but doesn't actually you know, kind of keep you alive at a core level, you're gonna wake up one day five, 10 years from now and say, what the heck did I do with my life? Why did I spend my life doing this? You need to be careful. And the undecided entrepreneur, the thing that you need to be really careful about is analysis paralysis. (laughs) If you're undecided, it's, do I do this? Do I do that? Do I do this? Do I do that? Do I do this thing or this thing? You're constantly pulled in all these different directions. Your brain is pulled in all these different directions where you never actually take action. So once you have clarity on what type of entrepreneur you are, the shadow side to each, then you can start carving a path forward to answer that all-important question of, okay, knowing that I'm this type of entrepreneur, who am I going to serve? And for that, it's a very sort of a formulaic, step-by-step process to identify markets that represent significant enough opportunity, so there's enough opportunity for you to pursue, and at the same time, it's not too big of a market that you're gonna be swallowed up whole and uh, And drown, I like to say that you know billion dollar problems require billion dollar, billion dollar budgets, so if you 're Bill Gates, um, you can go after a billion dollar problem because you 've got a billion dollars budget but malaria. we're not yeah malaria exactly, or clean drinking water or <laughs> right. um, uh, uh, toilets in Africa, just the you know, sanitation that 's a billion dollar plus problem, but guys. <laughs> Unless, you know, you're Bill Gates or you have that level of wealth, we as regular people um, need to be thinking a little bit more narrowly focused. And that's really what this entire choose process is all about is how you do that step by step. And I'm happy in the amount of time that we have to talk in as much detail as possible on what those steps well, look I like. Well, think,
0: I think that, I think that you're, you really do go into the steps pretty well in the book. And so we're going to talk a little bit later about how people can get a copy of the book. But what I'd like to know from you is, you know, you've got these four types of entrepreneurs, you know what their shadow side is. And and can you just tell us a little bit about how you were able to discover these types of entrepreneurs?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. And, uh, you know, the reality is, you know, in my career, I started out, you know, my story is one where uh, I left my job, I started my very first business um, before the orchid market was in the Scrabble tile jewelry market, um, which was just uh, another one of these practice businesses was teaching people how to make jewelry using Scrabble tiles and origami paper. Uh, from there went into the orchid market from there went into the memory market, which was uh, using my undergraduate degree uh, and my background in neuroscience uh, to make my parents proud because they were just saying, you know... What the heck are you doing? <laughs> you know, you studied neuroscience at the Ivy League level and you're now selling ebooks on how to care for your orchids. Like, you gotta put the degree to use. So, I did that to make my parents happy and, and quiet them down. Uh, and then I proceeded to go into 23 different markets. So, that was kind of my my background, my experience. And then I started working with different um, businesses, bigger businesses, to implement this, this strategy um, uh, that's now known as the ASK method um, in their business. And then from there, started working with a lot of early stage. Entrepreneurs, and I've been doing that now for um, you know the better part of the last decade. And uh, in that process, both, you know, from, uh, you know, the own ex- my own experience that I've had, um, plus, uh, you know, we at the Ask Within Company are, are known for asking questions and doing quite a few surveys, um, literally uh, hundreds of thousands of data points around what's holding people back, the biggest challenges that people are running into, where people struggle, uh, the goals and hopes and dreams that they have. And with that information, have been able to put it all together and identify that people tend to fall into one of these four buckets. Now, to be clear, we're all unique. We're all you know, very uh, complex organisms. So it's not to say that we don't have elements of each, but we all have a dominant type that is driving us at this point in our life. And the reality is that can change over time. So for me, I started as an undecided entrepreneur. I'm no longer undecided. That's where I was at that point in my life. But again, we evolve and we change as human beings. And you might move into the more mission-based entrepreneur over time or a passion-based entrepreneur over time. So for me, I discovered a passion simply by starting. And the passion Mm -hmm. that I discovered is I fell in love with the process. For me, I love the process of researching a new market finding what is it that people are struggling with in that market? What is it that makes them tick? Figure out a product to deliver to that market, get them to buy that product. And that, um, that moment of elation when for the first time ever you sell a new product and it's like, oh my gosh, a stranger actually bought this. And then get them results with that product and they experience a transformation. That to me is what lights me up. And it doesn't matter if it's orchids or teaching people how to you know, grow a business or menopause or whatever it may be. <laughs> that process has become my life's passion. And uh, I love the work that I get to do because I have such a variety of different businesses from helping people lose weight to uh, learning how to paint or play the guitar or whatever it may be. And I get to have a little finger in all of that. So, you so love, I just kind you of love the share a little middle. bit of, it's yeah, like you're
0: you're the guy who like loves being in the messy middle, and when I'm in the messy middle, I'm so like detached and and like like just unhinged a little bit. It's it's really hard for me. I mean, I do it, but it's hard for me to be in. The, I mean, I'm in it right now, and it's just you know, all the things that you've got to get done. You so fall in love just, with the know,
1: process. I think that's, process, that's the yeah. secret. And that's, that's like the meta thing. And I, I learned this, um, uh, you know, reading the book Flow uh, by Mihai Sissamahai. Yeah. Uh, great book, incredible philosophy. And, and one book. of the biggest takeaways I pulled from that was truly what you just said, Michelle, detach yourself from the outcome, focus on the process. Yeah,
0: just little
1: so by little, little by little. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. No, so if you're listening, if you're watching this right now, and you have this goal. Like maybe you have a goal. You say, "I want to quit my job and I want to make ten thousand dollars a month." That was my initial goal, by the way. So if I could make ten thousand dollars a month um, with my own little business, like I, you know, that's it. That was like my big goal. And whatever your goal is, put it out there in the universe. Just get it out there. But then detach yourself from that outcome and focus entirely on the process, the steps that are gonna get you there. And I've learned time after time, whether you're trying to do $10,000 a month, a million dollars a month, which is what I'm making now in my business, over a million dollars a month, or um, somewhere in between, the strategy is the same. Set the goal, put it aside, focus on the process, on the steps that you believe are gonna get you there, because ultimately that's the only thing that you have control over. We don't have, I don't have control, we don't have control if some stranger in their home is gonna take out their credit card and pay for your product. You just can't control that. Like you can influence it, but you can't control it. So focus on what you can control. And one of the things that you control are following the steps to start by choosing a good market which is gonna set you up for success.
0: I love that. And so once, you, once, you know, since you, since you coach a lot of entrepreneurs, I have a question for you, which is mm-hmm. once people get started, what's the biggest obstacle that you see that people have to overcome early on in their career of, as an entrepreneur to get going?
1: Yeah, it's, it's all, it all comes down to mental game. It's all <laughs> the head trash. It's all the, every sort of mechanism that your brain puts forth in front of you to try to keep you safe and out of harm's way. So this manifests itself in a whole bunch of different ways. For some people, it's procrastination. So you find yourself, you get excited about this idea, and then you find yourself uh, doing 10 loads of laundry, cleaning the kitchen, you're washing the baseboards, you're washing the windows, and before you know it, you said, how did I get down this path? It's your Mm -hmm. brain trying to keep you busy in uh, pursuit of being productive, but the reality is it's just procrastinating away from the most important things that are gonna move you forward. For some people, it's analysis paralysis. It's a thinking game. You're just overthinking everything. And uh, I've adopted some mantras uh, over the years. You, you know all of them practically that um, were first mantras that I repeated to myself to keep things going. So one of my, most, one of my favorites is uh, you don't have to get it perfect. You just have to get it going. And as a recovering perfectionist myself, and I think you're, we're all recovering perfectionists if you've had that tendency in your life at some point, it's a mantra that I use to remind myself, you don't have to get it perfect, you just have to so, get it going.
0: I'm going to talk about this for one second as a surgeon, because <laughs> as a surgeon, you have to get it perfect. Mm. It, you don't just get it going, you have to get it perfect. And so for me, the, the mindset change was, was really profound, saying, you know what, I can do this messy. And it's okay, and so that and and you know obviously when surgeons make mistakes, people die, and so the freedom to get out of that that thinking was really was really something for me because <laughs> yeah we. You just you got to do it right
1: <laughs> when you're. Well, there there are there are a few professions right that there is no margin for error. So yeah. if you are a surgeon, if you are a first responder, if you are an airline pilot, there are certain professions which require incredible precision and the margin of error is incredibly small. Uh, what I will say is this, when it comes to business, in most cases, and of course there are exceptions, we can all think of exceptions, um, mm-hmm. you're looking for the pracademic answer, not the academic answer. You're not looking for, you know, p-value of 0.001 level of precision. You're looking for directional accuracy. You're, you're going for, I think this is the right move. Because the reality is you're going to be course correcting along the way. And, and, the, and what I'll end with, Michelle, on this, on this point is I like to say there's only two things that you need. There's only two things that you need to be successful in business, and that is a vision for where you're going. So have a clear as possible vision for what you want your life to look like, what you want your business that supports that life to look like, and your immediate next step. That's it. The middle is gonna be messy. It's like looking through the dense jungle. You're not gonna be able to see what is on the other side of that dense foliage. All you need to worry about is what is the next step that you're gonna take, where are you putting that foot? And if you keep that vision in mind, you might need to course correct, like an airline pilot, you might need to go a little bit here and a little bit here and a little bit here, but eventually you're gonna get to your destination. And uh, that's really the secret. It's uh, the people who struggle are the ones who wanna have it all lined out perfectly. They wanna have this perfect recipe that all they need to do is follow 17,000 steps all laid out for them in a book And once they finish step 17,000, they'll reach their goal. The reality is it doesn't work like that. Life changes, it throws you curveballs. Yeah,
0: Yeah, so that's that's really an interesting point because what, for me, what I had to do was I had to be willing to just go out and set a deadline and just deliver and fail and fail and fail and and fail and fail and fail and fail and spend too much money and fail again. And so, and that was my experience. I mean, you know, I had a I had a launch where I ret- got about I want to say five percent of my ads been back.
1: You spent a lot. I remember that launch. You yeah. spent a lot of money, yeah. and it came back, and you got a few sales. And yeah. and it's and it's this reframe that we need to have. And what I like yeah. to say is, um, you either earn or you learn. Yeah. There's no failure. There really is no failure. It's all about. It's all about. This is a writer or downer. It's all about the debrief. <laughs>
0: right or Every down. Every time it? something
1: happens. <laughs> Every time something happens, like what we do in our company, whether something's yeah. successful or unsuccessful, we do a very detailed debrief process where we go back, we look back and we say, okay, what did we learn from this experience? And there's really no failure. It's, uh, I like to, the other frame of mind that's been really helpful for me is um, treating everything like an experiment. Mm-hmm. So if you take a scientist view and you say, this is just an experiment, we're going to try this thing. We're going to invest whatever the amount of money, $10,000, $50,000 as an experiment and we're gonna see how much money comes out the other side, and then we're gonna review the results of this experiment, and based on what we learn, we're gonna make a course correction and adjustment next time. And if you detach yourself and treat everything like an experiment, it relieves all this pressure off your shoulders to make a million dollars tomorrow, which uh, so many of us do to ourselves, We put so much pressure on ourselves to get it perfect and right out of the gate. Um, so I think to your earlier question, it's so much a mindset thing. Yes. You want to have the right tactics and strategies and follow someone who's, who's been to the mountaintop. That's the best way to get anywhere is to follow someone who's actually walked that path themselves. Um, uh, but from there, so much of it, the other half of the equation is what goes on right between, uh, your, uh, two ears and what goes on inside. And, uh, and that is the biggest challenge.
0: I mean, I'll just add to that that every time I've been able to make a huge leap in any any facet of my life, and you know, obviously as a surgeon, I'm already a high performer. And so, in order to take my life to the next level, what I've always done is hired some sort of a coach. And I learned that from Jack Canfield. And you know, your coach could be a therapist, your coach could be a business coach, your coach could be, a, you know, a spiritualist. There's a lot of different ways that coaching can show up, and. What I found, like, especially in my program with the, the women who come into our one-year experience is that we're able to just really shrink what took me three years into, you know, sometimes less than a year. They're able to get all the results that I got. And it's I'm a little jealous sometimes.
1: <laughs> it's the ultimate time machine. It's the, yeah. It truly is the ultimate time machine. As you can, you know, uh, it's, it's like the early explorers who were, you know, um, traveling to a new land. And having to carve the path and find where the safe spots were and find where the, uh, the death traps are located and all the pitfalls. And you could be one of those early explorers. Um, but one of my favorite expressions, and I, I say this in the book, I learned this from one of my mentors, is, um, and it's true when it comes to choosing a good market. It's true in really all facets of life. Um, pioneers get shot. Settlers get rich. Yeah. And really what that means is um, if you want to be the first to anything, you're more likely to end up face down in the mud with an arrow in your back than you are reaching prosperity. And when it comes to choosing a good market and choosing a good audience, if you look at the most successful companies um, of our generation, if you look at you know, the Googles of the world, the Facebooks of the world, uh, Apple, none of them were the first to market. Google was not the first search engine. Facebook was not the first social media platform. Uh, Apple was not the first company to make uh, smartphones. Instead, what they found is they found a who, they found a market, they built a better mousetrap. They decided to be a settler instead of a pioneer. And I think this is another big misnomer that people have, especially early in their career. They think they have to invent some world-changing technology and be the first. They go online and they say, oh, darn it, someone else is already selling something like this. And then they're dissuaded from pursuing that or they have the opposite re- reaction which is even more problematic where they go online and they say oh my gosh no one's created this before and you got to ask yourself of the 8 billion people on the planet do you really think that nobody else has had that idea or is it more likely that someone's tried it and it's failed and there's no evidence of that success online? Chances are it is the latter. So one of the other tips uh, as a tactical tip um, to share with people is um, I'm always looking for markets where the competition is succeeding in spite of itself. In other words, is someone making money and my world is predominantly online, so if someone mm-hmm. making money online and looking at what they're doing, you say to yourself, gosh, they're this successful and they're doing that? Man, if I just make this tweak and this change over here, I could make something twice as good or be twice as effective at selling this product. Um, And when I go back to the first business that we went into, that Scrabble tile jewelry market, uh, Michelle, that was exactly it. We found this market. There's a woman who is teaching people how to make Scrabble tile jewelry. Uh, Tylene, my wife, bought the tutorial and she said, oh my gosh, I cannot believe this woman is charging $37 for this Microsoft Word document that has spelling mistakes in it, that has pictures that aren't even, uh, uh, the lighting is so bad, you can barely see what it is. She said, I think I can learn how to make this jewelry, and I think we can build a better mousetrap. And that's exactly what we did.
0: <laughs> that's, that's, okay. You know what that is? That's an example <laughs> of you don't have to get it perfect. <laughs>
1: You don't have to get it perfect. You just have to get it going. Yeah. But you got to do better than that. Right. No, that's true. That's
0: true. I would never allow that out. But one thing, one thing that that I think is important is, is that we have to honor our ideas. And ideas Elizabeth Gilbert wrote this really great book called Big Magic. I don't know if you've read it, but it's ideas come and and they can come in in, in a lot of different ways. They can come She talks about how the idea for a book went from her to another author through a kiss. And okay. and it, and then the other author actually wrote the book that she had started. It, it's really a fascinating story. And so, what I think is important is that ideas come to us. And for me, you know, the idea of creating the menopause movement, however, it came to me. And if I hadn't taken any action, then it would have passed on to somebody else. And so, sometimes the ideas do come to us and and there may not be anybody else doing it and it may be it may be the right the right business to start depending on what the universe has in store for you however you want to make sure you go through the choose your market framework before you before you do it because it may also be a money loser
1: totally absolutely yeah.
0: yeah you talked a little bit about imposter syndrome and i just wanted to go a little bit more into that because imposter syndrome is something that i think a afflicts everyone. And I wanna tell a quick story about that is that when I first started surgery, so I, I went through 15 years of school to learn how to become a surgeon and act independently. And for the first three or four years of my surgical practice, I kept wondering if they were going to find out that I didn't know what I was doing, even though I didn't have any, and I didn't know what it was. I was just like, why am I having these thoughts? Because I didn't have any complications. People weren't dying, but it's like, oh, they're going to find out. I don't know what I'm doing. And so when somebody actually said the words imposter syndrome, I was like, oh, that's what that is. (laughs) And so... (laughs) And so it it it's what's really funny is that what we know that it's what's and, and you mentioned this in your book, what may be like secondhand to you may be something that's particularly new to me and and vice versa. And that's where I think it's so important if you're going to talk, especially now in the age of COVID, about building a business, that building an information business may be the best way to go because what you know is unique to you and other people are going to be able to learn from you. You Yeah,
1: I'm I'm certainly partial to this model uh, for so many reasons. And, you know, we... In a, in a year where so many people have, have struggled financially due to you know, losing jobs, having their, um, you know, their work hours cut, businesses that they work for, um, having to lay employees off, um, we in our businesses have had the single most uh, successful year financially in our history. Um, congratulations. By a, by, a, by a substantial margin. Now, um, I don't share that to brag. I share that to, uh, to give uh, more evidence that uh, this model of uh, generating customers online and delivering your product or service online as well location independent from anywhere in the world not tied to a physical storefront or even a physical product that you need to ship out um, is one that is uh, setting you up for success um, to weather the storms of something like a global pandemic now, whenever people talk about this idea of an information business or what we call education and expertise, um, this imposter syndrome starts to come up and people ask a few questions. They say, but wait, um, I don't know anything. I'm not an expert in anything. Um, where, do I, where do I begin? And um, the thing that I would say to that is something one of my mentors once said to me. Uh, he said, Ryan, what you need to remember is this. To the fourth grader, the fifth grader is a genius. And really what that means is you don't have to have PhD level expertise in your subject matter. You only need to be one step ahead of where your customers are. And in some respects, being just one step ahead, as opposed to 15 steps ahead, actually better serves you. Because the experience that they're going through right now is fresh in your mind. So for example, if uh, you just bought a new car, just bought a new house, the experience, the frustration, the pain that you went through to go through that process of buying a new house, it's fresh in your mind. So someone going through that process maybe a month or two months or three months or a year later um, is something that you can very much relate to. Uh, Versus if you haven't bought a house in uh, 30 years, you might have forgotten what that experience is like. So there's some benefit to only being a few steps ahead of of your customers, that's the first point. Second point is you don't have to be the expert in your business to have a successful information publishing business. So just look at, Michelle, what you're doing right now. You're curating uh, guests to speak on your podcast in their areas of expertise. And uh, you don't have to have expertise in every single one of these areas. You can bring on guests that you have a relationship with. And your audience is drawn to you. They're attracted to you and your style and your story and everything that you offer. And they love the fact that you're curating that expertise by bringing high-quality guests to the table. So you can also play that role. That's the Oprah model, right? Where Oprah curated guests for her show. She didn't necessarily have expertise in all these areas, but she had the taste, she had the level of curation that people came to know and trust. That to the point where if you had um, you know, Oprah book club on your book, um, you're selling a million copies of your book. Just yeah, with that sure. seal of approval that's so some- um, yeah. there's more than one way to be successful with that model
0: we, we don't have a lot of time left, and so i want I, there's two questions I want to ask you one is has to do with you. You started out in you said i think South Texas right after you guys came yeah. back from from Hong kong. Yeah,
1: from- Yep, from China. And yep.
0: you know, you started your stra- Scrabble tile jewelry business, and you had your, you know, before you were able to do that, you had your lawn chairs and in your in your apartment, and you know, you, you would go out to the 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 cheeseburger place because it was only a dollar cheeseburger, right? And, and now you probably wouldn't even think about eating a cheeseburger now. But so so the thing is, is that you know, here at the minnow System and and in the menopause movement, we talk a lot about. About how we create our own lives, and how we're responsible for all of our outcomes. And as our lives change, we we change. And so the question is, how how is Ryan the Ryan that was you know newly married and didn't have any children? And how, how have you how have you grown and evolved as you're you know to, to take your business to you know the Inc. 500?
1: Yeah, you know it's it's a great question. So those early days, um, you know for anyone who's starting, I think one of the things that holds people back, the fear of taking the leap is, is the fear of what happens if, especially for those of us who reach a point in our lives where we're, you know, financially doing pretty good. You know, we have a good salary, we have a a good life. And one of the things I say is that I think the biggest thing that holds people back is uh, the fear of giving up good in order to go after great. And I think that is the ultimate disease that most of us suffer from is that things are good. They're okay. They're not terrible. We're not living in a cardboard box under a bridge under the side of the road. Things are good. I've got a good job. I've got a good house. I've got a, I've got a good you know, car. Things are good, but we want more. We strive for more and uh you know those early days um we i left a high six six figure paying job in uh, asia i was living a, a fat cat expat lifestyle i was um you know i had all the benefits at a car and driver and a housekeeper apartment paid for making all this money living in china where the exchange rate was incredibly favorable making us dollars and i gave it all up i literally just walked into my boss's one uh, office one day and said all right i'm handing in my resignation and this is done and uh, we moved into student housing in Hong Kong where Tyleen was getting her PhD, um, 400 square foot apartment in Hong Kong, uh, student housing, most expensive city to live in in the world, burned through our savings really quick. Um, and the first business made a little bit of money and then it didn't make any money. And we had this moment where we looked at each other and we said, now what? And uh, her degree is in, in art history, which is not a field that, that pays incredibly well financially, but it pays really well in terms of the type of work you get to do. So she got offered a job as a museum curator in Brownsville, Texas, less than a mile away from the Mexican border, South Texas. And uh, we only thing that we could afford was in a, a, another tiny little you know, 450 square foot apartment, bars on the windows, uh, one car, I drive Tylene to work uh, back and forth every single day. And I'll tell you what I learned from that experience and how it's uh, shaped me as, a, as a, now a father and you know, husband and been doing this for uh, many, many years, is when, when we experienced that forced poverty, where we had this tiny little apartment, we couldn't even afford furniture. So we had two lawn chairs in the living room, a mattress on the floor, a laptop and an interconnection. That was it. What that made me realize is those are some of the most uh, cherished memories of my life. We were fine. We were happy. We didn't need a whole lot to be that happy. And I think that's the thing that holds people back is the fear of what if, what if I have to downsize my income? What if it doesn't all work out? What if I have to give up the Lexus and the country club and the nice neighborhood and all these things, but the reality is none of that stuff actually makes you happy. And I'm so grateful that we were able to experience that sort of uh, ramen noodle and bologna sandwich uh, season of our life to realize that we really don't need a whole lot to be happy. And even now, you know, having um, you know, made the Inc. 500 list uh, you know, uh, three years, you know, multi-million dollar businesses, um, you know, all this financial success, at the end of the day, it's made me realize that um, what's more important than any result for me, the thing that I'm after, the, my drug of choice, so to speak, um, is momentum. It's all about moving forward. It's all about progress, not perfection. Whether it's in the area of finance or fitness or friends or family or philanthropy, it's all about are you getting better? Are you improving? Are you making progress to your goals? And when you fall in love with that piece, fall in love with making progress, it doesn't matter what your pursuit is. You know, for me at my stage, it's I wanna be the best father that I can for my two boys. And that to me is a, an engaging pursuit. So I spend less time working in the business. I'm not working crazy 12, 14, 16 hour days anymore, because that is more important to me than uh, the financial success that could come from that. So um, those are some lessons that I've learned along the way, hopefully some wisdom to pass on to anyone watching this. And hopefully it's helpful for anyone who's thinking about taking this step.
0: Yeah, no, that's great. I, I love that. I, I I have a similar story. I, I When I went back into private practice in 2012, I I ended up, selling everything I had to buy my malpractice. And it was the best gamble I ever made. Um, I, was, I, I realized about in about a 2011 that I'm fundamentally unemployable. And so <laughs> I, just, I just can't do it. I just can't work for somebody else. I mean, I'll work with other people, but I can't work for somebody else. So I want to talk a bit about, uh, we just got a couple minutes left here. And is there a way for someone to find out what type of entrepreneur they are? and also get a copy of your book?
1: Yeah, so uh, great question. And um, uh, so we are, uh, one of the things that I've done in each of the markets that I've gone into, it's kind of um, what we do all day every day, um, is something uh, uh, called a Quiz Funnel. Now Quiz Funnel, if you've ever taken one of these online, is an, an online quiz or an assessment that helps you understand something about yourself um, and then ultimately leads into um, an opportunity to take that next step. And so uh, we actually have a quiz that you can take online in assessment. It's totally free um, to help you determine what type of entrepreneur you are and what type of business you should start based on things like your personality, your experience level, the budget that you're starting with, and so on and so forth. Um, and you can take that for free at choosequiz.com.
0: Oh, Ryan, thanks so much. Thank you for all of your uh, Ryanisms during the <laughs> <laughs> this podcast. I really appreciate you taking the time to come on and be a part of the menopause movement today.
1: Michelle, it's been an absolute honor and pleasure and look forward to doing it again sometime soon.
0: Did you know that menopause is not a medical condition? Most doctors don't know this either. I like to say that menopause is the privilege of a long life. And to really take hold of our lives in menopause, we have to unlearn what society and the medical establishment has told us about menopause. This is why I've created this brand new course called Understanding Your Hormones and Managing Your Menopause. I want to show you how you can get on top of your menopause right now so that you can start to see it as the best time of your life. Now this course is valued at $500 and is in the beta testing phase and we're currently accepting applications for women to test it out for us at no charge in exchange for feedback and testimonials. But the best part is, because you're a podcast listener, you can bypass the application process and go straight to the front of the line. To register right now, simply visit menopausemovement.com forward slash hormones, and we can get started together right now. Remember, you can get started right now at no charge to you in exchange for feedback and testimonials when you go to menopausemovement.com forward slash hormones, and I'll see you inside the course. Thanks so much for being a part of the menopause movement.